1: Yes, indeed it is, and hour number two is underway. Nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to Congressman Jordan, who joined us uh, last segment. We are guest-free in hour number two today, so plenty of opportunities for you to get in with your questions and your comments about the biggest news of the day. 216 901 One of the questions I'm going to ask you at the start of hour number two is about the uh, monologue that I did at the beginning of hour number one and ask if you agree. Are you rooting for all of the U.S. Olympians, or are you rooting against certain U.S. Olympians? Do you feel it's unpatriotic not to support American athletes in their competitions on the world stage? Do you think it's patriotic? Do you think it's not patriotic? Do you think it's uh, acceptable? Because I find myself rooting against certain American athletes. And some people say that makes us, the left says that makes us not patriotic because these are Americans. But if these Americans have expressed their shame for the flag that's on their uniforms, if they express their shame for the anthem that plays when they are uh, are represented on the world stage or when they are presented to the world stage, if they express shame in my country... I find it very difficult to express pride in them. As a matter of fact, I am ashamed of them, and I don't want them representing my country. So I'm curious, as to you think. Is it okay, and are you rooting for all of the U.S. Olympians if you are paying attention to the Olympics at all? And by the way, I'm not. That's the goofy part about this. I only know what's in the headlines. And when I see a headline on a news website that says U.S. Women's Olympic Team loses to Canada, I'm in. Because I'm excited about that. Uh, go Canada. Uh, very proud of America's attic. Okay, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. I'm going to go to Navy Man Norm in Strongsville. Uh, Norm, thanks for joining us. You're on the air. Go right ahead, sir.
2: You are a big meanie this morning, making fun <laughs> of the purple-haired princess and her teammates. <laughs> yeah. I'm, i I. Uh, I didn't know this. Uh, I didn't know this wonderful victory by Canada because, frank, uh, frankly, I'm not watching the Olympics at all. Period. I yep. invested myself. The U.S. Olympic Committee came out and said they want to change the flag to a five star, five stripe flag instead of the American flag. Uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you're no longer American, so I don't want you. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm the story. same way, Normie. There, there was a time, really many times over the course of my lifetime. The last, uh, five decades, uh, that if I'm flipping around the channel guide and I see Olympics on, I'm gonna flip it on. And if it's John, I'm not even, I'm not even into gymnastics, but if the Americans are competing again, if Americans are competing against the rest of the world at tiddlywinks, I'll watch and I'll cheer Go USA if they're playing them in horseshoes. Uh, yeah, I'm not even interested in curling. I don't even understand what it is, except they're throwing that big old thing down the ice and brooming it. And But if it's us against the world, I'm in. But now, I don't feel like it's us against the world. I feel like it's us against us, especially those of us who hate us. Our country, and so I have no interest whatsoever in watching these Olympics. Uh, you know, if the if the American teams are anti-American, or at least some of them are anti-American, that's a problem for me.
2: If the U.S. Olympic Committee had removed that hammer thrower, the one that uh, claimed that she's uh, she wears her black activist T-shirt and refused to wear the uniform, yeah. if they had removed her as as they should have then that's a different story. Or if they had basically told their athletes beforehand, you're representing our country, and if you pull any of these stunts, you're done, period, in the story, okay? If if I'm playing on a football team and I put somebody the opponent's jersey on
1: (laughs) or somebody else's or some political thing, I'm not part of the team, period. Well, it doesn't even have to be somebody else's jersey. To me... The, the the hammer thrower that put the at, uh, activist athlete thing on her head and turned her back from the uh, from the uh, uh American flag while the anthem was playing that whole thing that would be an akin to an Ohio State football player after the game uh putting on a t-shirt that says Ohio State sucks or go blue, exactly. or something like that. You know, if you, wait a minute. You, the team you play for, you think sucks, you don't like, you don't respect? Because that's what she did. I represent the American Olympic team, and I'm going to stand here and behave like America sucks. And I apologize right. for the language, but I mean, it, you know, it, it really is what they're yeah. saying. How can I possibly be expected <laughs> to root for somebody like that? The only,
2: the only, and you know what, Bob, over the years, I donated to the Olympic Committee before they got funding i think from the government or these corporations i donate it out of my pocket the only thing i donate to now is the special olympics i will watch the special olympics because those young men and young women really go out and try with all their heart and all their soul so as far as and and that's and that's gospel to me but what i'm really calling about is uh, the comments about the capitol police officer that was shedding crocodile tears because Somebody might have called me a dirty name or something. That's the case for Ashley Bobbitt. That was, if I'd been on that committee, I would have said to him, uh, are you crying for Ashley Bobbitt? Are you, know, you shot at point-blank range an unarmed woman? You know, where is the, shall we say, sympathy for Ashley Bobbitt and her family? A 14-year-old Air Force veteran who was unarmed who was coming to a door well, he, he shot her because he had no other choice. What do you mean he had no other choice? She was a slight, petite woman, and you mean to tell me that he couldn't stop her
1: without the force of a, a forty-five? Well, and there was guy. nothing to stop anyway. She wasn't attacking him. It's not like he had, to, you know what I mean. It was not like he was in self-defense. Uh, you know, she was at that point in time crossing through it was kind of a window, uh, like the window part of a door, but she was exactly. crossing onto another area, which technically. In all seriousness, is nothing more than trespassing. He shot her for trespassing, breaking,
2: yeah, he shot her going her through a broken leg. side. Yeah, he shot her from three feet away. If you yeah. watch that video, yeah, he was three feet away, and he shot her through the neck at point blank range, point
1: and she bled out. Yeah. So, and then what is this nonsense? And why is he? Why is he not been identified? Right. Why is this Capitol Police officer who shot and killed an unarmed white girl um, who is unarmed, not resisting arrest, not in the act of committing crimes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, was not uh, uh, armed, why Why is his name being covered up? And what would be the circumstances if Ashley Babbitt had been a black member of Antifa or BLM, and this officer did the exact same thing to her as he did to Ashley Babbitt? Do you think we'd know his name right now, and do you think he'd be in a federal prison right now and if he happened to be caucasian very yeah, well that that wouldn't even matter that, that wouldn't even yeah. matter if he was a yeah. black cop yeah. too if you if, if he had a shot up yeah. a, a minority in the same circumstances particularly somebody who is representing blm instead of representing trump yeah. uh 2024 or 2020 i mean uh we would know his name he would already be on trial he would be in uh you know being held in a federal facility with no bail and of course he would eventually be found guilty just like derek Chau- chauvin was
2: and, and and has one Republican congressman or one Republican senator demanded to see the FBI investigation they said was conducted of this incident? Of course not.
1: No, of course not. It's going to stay covered FBI, up.
2: I'm, I, I have filed a freedom of information request for a copy of the FBI's report. I want to see what kind of answer I get.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Norm. First of all, if you get an answer, let me know what it is. And second of all, keep listening, because in the next segment, uh, I'm going to share with you something I think you'll really appreciate based on what you just talked about. Uh, Norm, thank you for the call. Let me take that time out now here at 1018 so that I can share this. Um, It's about Ashley Babbitt, and it's about George Floyd. And you're probably wondering, what in the heck do those two things have to do with one another? I will tell you on the other side of this timeout on AM 1420, The answer. Okay, it's 10-23. I want to share this with you, and I said to, told Norm that he would appreciate this since he was talking about Ashley Babbitt. I had this story as I prepped the show uh, last night, and I want to give it to you. It's from, uh, I want to say, uh, Saturday night. The comparison, the comparison and the contrasting between Ashley Babbitt, Capitol Hill shooting victim of a police officer, and George Floyd. The Washington Post doesn't like the fact that Ashley Babbitt, who was shot and killed by a police officer inside the Capitol on January 6th, is being viewed by some as a martyr. The Post story by anti Trumper Josh Dossie and Paul Schwartzman drips with contempt for the notion that Babbitt could be a martyr. I don't recall the Post ever questioning the view that George Floyd could be seen that way. I don't just consider Floyd or Babbitt martyrs, but Babbitt is a stronger candidate for that status. Floyd was a career criminal. He encountered the police on the day of his death because he was trying to pass a counterfeit bill. He encountered police violence because he ferociously res- resisted arrest. Babbitt had no history of criminal behavior. She encountered the police not because she was trying to enrich herself unjustly, as Floyd did, but because she was engaging in political protest. The protest took an unlawful turn, an highly un- unlawful and highly distasteful form, which precludes martyr status as far as I'm concerned. But Babbitt was acting selflessly, which made her more sympathetic than Floyd in my eyes. This is from Powerline blog. These are not my words, but I like the, uh, the premise here. Unlike Floyd, Babbitt did not fight the police. As far as we can tell, she committed no violent act at all. Yet Dossie and Schwartzman seem offended by the fact that Babbitt's death has led to protests. They blame it on Donald Trump and others who, say, who they say are trying to rewrite the narrative of one of the darkest hours in our nation's history. Are you kidding me? Did they really write that? They don't, they don't accept the idea that people might genuinely be upset that a police officer would shoot an unarmed woman and that neither the name of the officer nor the facts uh, supposedly justifying the killing has ever been made public. Here again we see differences between Floyd's case and Babbitt's. The name of the officer charged with killing Floyd was not withheld. It became a household name. And the protests in Floyd's name that raged for months included killings, arson, assaults, and widespread looting. The protests of Babbitt's killing have been entirely peaceful. So again, the distinctions cut in favor of Babbitt and those protesting in her memory rather than Floyd and the BLM mobs. The Washington Post article includes this passage. When Babbitt's mother called the office of Senator Dianne Feinstein, uh, called the office of Senator Feinstein, she said that an aide told her, although this incident is unfortunate, your daughter should not have stormed the Capitol. End quote. Wow. Wow. Did anybody suggest to George Floyd's family and to... um, Ambulance and check-chasing attorney Benjamin Crump that, you know what, your guy probably shouldn't have been, A, trying to pass counterfeit bills, and B, high on triple the lethal dose of fentanyl. Shouldn't have been doing that. They are, these are not said to render protests of floyd 's death problematic, nor do I uh, view the ones that were entirely peaceful that way and I have never been considered a reason never been considered a reason not to disclose the name of the officer whose actions were deemed to have caused floyd 's death but if anyone is trying to protect the narrative here it 's the post. The narrative is the claim that January sixth is in the editorial, editorializing of Dawsey and Schwartzmann one of the darkest days in our nation 's history. I can think of many darker ones, but January sixth can be plenty dark. And the shooting of an unarmed woman and unwillingness of officials to answer reasonable questions about it can still be worthy of a protest. So if you do a tale of the tape, a comparison, compare and contrast the death of George Floyd to the death of Ashley Babbitt, which one is more sympathetic? Which one should generate more outrage? George Floyd who did indeed physically resist arrest countless numbers of times during that ordeal, no matter how many times and ways the officers tried to appease him. He said he was claustrophobic and couldn't sit in the back. He was too hot. He couldn't breathe. They said, we'll turn the air conditioning on for you. We'll make you as comfortable as possible. No, let me out, let me out, let me out, let me out. So then they let him out. They set him on the ground there waiting for the ambulance to come. And, of course, we know the rest. Then Derek Chauvin decides to get on top of him for reasons that still make no sense whatsoever. but nonetheless, there was a guy who was a career criminal who had done uh, prison on I think eight different uh, in eight different terms, the longest of which was for a home break-in in which he pressed a gun to the belly of a pregnant woman to hold her still uh, threatening her while his partners ransacked the house and robbed it a guy who was, again, with his drug dealer in a car the day that he encountered Derek Chauvin, because the drug dealer went in trying to pass a $20 bill, counterfeit $20 bill, uh, was unsuccessful, so he told George to go try it somewhere else. George said, okay. And that, of course, leads to uh, uh, led to the police call and the way things went down. Ashley Babbitt showed up at a rally to protect the integrity of our elections, a rally to make her voice peacefully and, and patriotically heard, to tell the electors, do not certify this election, there are still too many questions, then she gets caught up in, indeed, a very unwise decision to join the crowd and go into the Capitol without permission. But going into the Capitol with, without permission is not an executable offense And she was executed at point-blank range. And that officer, who ought to be judged here, his name is not even being released. He faces no charges whatsoever. And nobody cares about what the investigation turned up. They will not release the information. It is just buried. And I would submit to you, if Ashley Babbitt were an ethnic minority, i.e., if she was black or brown... That officer's name would be known by everybody in the country, and his trial probably would be starting right about now. 10.30, time for news. We'll come right back. More phone calls coming up, AM 1420, The Answer.
0: now enter the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer.
1: Yes, indeed. 1035. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. i got about 25 minutes left of... uh... Phone calls from you, we are guest free in hour number two today. A great opportunity for you to be heard on some or all of these things. I want to hit this just super quick before I go to another phone call I, I, these These virtue signalers in the Democrat Party. you know the big, one of the big stories today is the end to the uh, eviction moratorium. Remember for the past what how many months all of virtually all of two thousand and twenty in the first six months, seven months of, um, of uh, two thousand and twenty one so we 're talking about a year and a half landlords have gone without being able to demand that their renters pay them to live there. Now, landlords still have to pay the mortgages on the buildings, but the renters don't have to pay the landlords. Landlords have been suffering for a year and a half. These are not wealthy people in most cases. I know a lot of rent, of landlords rather who have rental properties who are suffering and struggling. Not only do they have to make their own ends meet, now they got to pay for the buildings, that their renters live in, and they're not allowed to evict them and get somebody who's a paying renter in in uh, uh, you know in, uh, in their uh, in their units. So the eviction moratorium is over now, and liberal demon rats want the Congress to make them permanent. Essentially, make them permanent. So, Cory Bush. One of the members of the uh, the disgusting squids, uh, you know, with ADC, Alexandria, damasio Cortez, and Jihad Omar and Sharia Taleb. Corey Bush is one of them. Iana Presley. Anyway, Corey Bush tweeted last night. No, I beg your pardon. Not last night. This was this was Friday night. Sorry, Friday night. Many of my Democratic colleagues chose to go on vacation early today rather than staying to vote to keep people in their homes. I'll be sleeping outside the Capitol tonight. We've still got work to do. and It's got a picture of her looking all stoic and, 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 and you know sincere, standing in front of the steps of the Capitol. She's going to sleep outside tonight. I would love for a wider shot of this picture of her, this little selfie that she took, because I want to know how many security staff she has with her, standing around her, Making sure she's protected as she, quote, sleeps outside the Capitol, number one. Number two, you're spending a night outdoors on a warm summer night. Millions of people do that every year. It's called camping. And you're acting as if you are doing doing something difficult, some this is some sort of massive sacrifice to make a point for homeless people. How about this? How about this, core? How about you try that crap in January in D.C.? Sleep outside the steps of the Capitol building in January. Let's see how committed you really are to looking out for the homeless people. Let's see how fast. You're not running for a, a sewer grate with steam rising up. Not running for cover under a bridge as the snow and the sleet falls like real homeless people do. Let's see how fast you're running for the warmth of your office, you little lying hypocrite. Let's see how committed you are in January. guarantee you she wouldn't go in there if it was 10 degrees cooler, or she wouldn't lay out there if it was 10 degrees cooler. Guarantee you she has no worries about being robbed or attacked the way other homeless people might, because she's got security around. And meanwhile, her point, by the way, is to tell landlords, you don't have a right to get paid. It is uh, Housing is a human right, and therefore, you have the obligation of providing it. You have the obligation of providing it even to people who don't or can't pay for it. And if that takes meals off of your kids' tables, too bad. People deserve a right to stay in their homes. No, people deserve a right to pay to stay in their homes. And whether they're paying a bank or a landlord who is paying a bank, you have to pay or else you have to find somewhere else to live. And the left is celebrating Cory Bush for her incredibly brave sacrifice. She stayed outside on a warm summer Evening, woo. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Chuck in North Ridgeville. Hey, Chuck, you're on the air. Go right ahead, sir.
3: Thanks, Bob. Uh, listen, as long as Navy man Norm brought it up, I was at the Capitol. I filmed the whole thing. I was there for hours and hours and hours, and it uh, was the nicest, uh, friendliest, most wonderful three million people I've ever been associated with. And uh, just, just to reiterate a point, uh, Dinesh D'Souza originally brought this up. It was Lieutenant Michael Leroy Byrd who cold-blooded murdered Ashley Babbitt, a white female veteran. And the reason that doesn't get played is because that ruins a whole bunch of narratives. And you can just begin um, with where, where,
1: where did Where did Dinesh... Because I have not heard that, and maybe that's my fault. Okay, I've I usually seen many, try to stay many, many up on this stuff. But...
3: Already, it's Lieutenant Michael Leroy Byrd. Did, think...
1: did he? Did he? Did um, he? Uh, did he express or, or, or uh, acknowledge what his source is for this information? Is this one hundred percent accurate?
3: I can't remember. I read it about six months ago, but I've also seen the video of the murder, <clears throat> and uh, it's it's nasty.
1: I've seen the video of the murder too, but I think you can't see the face of the shooter. That's no, he's reason. got a
3: mask on, but he's black, yeah. okay, and uh, he's plain clothes, and he's in a suit. That tells me a lot. It's Lieutenant Michael Leroy of
1: Okay. I, I will look now, into that myself, too, and I'll see what Dinesh okay. D'Souza says, because obviously this is the kind of thing, I don't know, I, I would have to, Has this been on Tucker Carlson? Has this been on, uh, you know, some, some uh, of the most? I have
3: not heard that, but I've seen several articles. And I've seen the video several times, but that's really not what I called to
1: talk about. Oh Well, hold on. Before we talk about what you called to talk about, then, let me just finish that. I'm not going to hang up on you, so uh, be patient. Um, I'm just not willing to go forward by saying this is the guy based on that. I mean, because in my opinion, this is just my opinion. You tell me if you disagree, Chuck. If this was confirmed and 100% proof proven that this was the individual, uh, I have to believe this is already going to be on Tucker. I feel like it's already going to be on Newsmax television and other places. If only Dinesh is saying it and it's on articles of, no, no, let's I just say, lesser-known websites, that doesn't mean they're wrong, but if there are, if it's only on lesser-known websites that might roll with something with um, unsourced information then I'm going to be very cautious before I say yep that's the guy. I want to see if I get confirmation from the of this from the big boys, the ones that have staff. I'm a staff of me and, and I got a, I got a board operator and I've got a, a guest booker. Tucker's got a staff of about 3 dozen. If they can source this out and I see it on Tucker's show, then I'll then I'll be much more comfortable saying okay that's the guy. Until then I'm going to probably hold off.
3: Well, you google the name. But in the meantime, I understand your position, okay. Yeah. And also, Dinesh D'Souza's, hes a convicted felon, all right—and he's probably been threatened with uh, many, many things, okay.
1: Yeah, you know, Dinesh's situation is a very, very complex one. I, I, yes, I don't see is. him as a felon. I, I mean, he was—he was targeted. Uh, but, but I, and I also, I've had him on, and I respect Dinesh D'Souza. And if he got this, okay. But like I said, I'm going to need more than. And I just found it while you and I were talking here. Uh, a website called cleverjourneys.com shows Capitol Police Lieutenant Michael Leroy Bird is alleged killer of Ashley, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Like I said, if I see it on Clever Journeys, it's one thing. If I see it headlining Fox News or one of the other networks, then I might be just a little bit more inclined to say, okay, wow, now we've got to figure out why he did this and what, what the circumstances were. But anyway, oh, you did that- you called to talk about the Olympics, right? Yes, I did. Okay, let's do that part now. Not only do <laughs> do
3: I wish for all these uh, woke or go broke uh, idiots to lose. But I hope that this is the worst ratings ever. Now, I had Coca-Cola for years. I think Coca-Cola is one of the great inventions of mankind. I still have it stacked in my ceiling in the basement. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with it. I had stock in it. it went. I bought it at 25 It went to 60 It's a 3.3% uh, dividend. But I sold all my stock. All right. I'm not going to put up with any of this junk. So I want the lowest ratings ever.
1: Well, I think you're getting it. I think yeah, you're getting it. So far, it. It's yeah.
3: great. looks good.
1: Yeah, and I'll <laughs> tell you what I love about that, Chuck, and I talked about this really after the opening ceremonies, uh, which was the lowest rated opening ceremonies in some 33 years. Uh, I, I love the fact that nobody can be there. Because of COVID and the Japanese restrictions, nobody can be there. So one would think that if you know people who were going to be going to watch the Olympics and support their hometown heroes and athletes and so on and so forth, if they're not allowed to go, everybody's going to be gathered around the TV screens to watch them, right? And the answer is no. Because nobody cares about, quite frankly, the, the politicization you know, of the woke Olympics, which is what they are. And that's why people are rebelling against it and saying, I, like I said before, I don't want to watch somebody who hates my country representing my country. That's a problem for me. So I think that's a problem for a lot of viewers.
3: Well, remember what Prager said the left destroys everything it touches.
1: Amen to that. One of the one of the one of the most easily provable truisms of all time. That's exactly what they do. Thank you, Chuck. Appreciate the phone call. Let me go to uh, Cleveland. TJ, hi, TJ. You're on the air. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, you know, Bob, with this left being upset about uh, people rooting against America in the Olympics, you know, it was the left that invented rooting against America during the Vietnam War. These woke idiots were rooting for our enemy. You know, a lot of people don't realize during the war somebody's. Dopes would call the families uh, dead soldiers and tell them how happy they were that their son died fighting for this imperialistic country. I mean, these were the people that invented this kind of stuff to go against the country, and they're going to have the nerve to call people like me unpatriotic because I'm rooting against you know, uh, these wokefuls. Uh, I've forgotten more about patriotism than any libtard will ever know.
1: Well, yeah, you're obviously right. We've seen numerous examples of uh, particularly leftist celebrities, you know, back during Vietnam protesting the war. And, you know, I never had a problem with a war protester just saying, I don't agree with the war. But if you publicly cheer against the, the, the sons of Americans, the sons and the husbands and the fathers of American citizens who are over there putting their lives on the line, you endanger them and you actually embolden the enemy. You don't have to support the war uh, effort itself, but you damn well better support those fighting it because it's not their choice. They're doing what their country has determined is the right thing for them to do, and they wear that flag with pride, they wear that flag with honor, and to, in any way, shape, or form, denigrate them for doing their duties, and much less root against them and to celebrate their deaths because of your your uh, your politics. Uh, those people, I think, those pe- I think that's treasonous behavior. And I don't want to go back to the 60s and 70s and relitigate all this, TJ, but to me, anybody who says something publicly against American soldiers, uh, particularly if they're a public figure that has a lot of following, Uh, To me, that's treason. That's aid and comfort to the enemy that says, look, the Americans are cracking.
4: Bob, real quick, you made an excellent point. In 68, after the Tet Offensive, we broke the enemy's back. Their own top general reported later in the 70s that they were ready to come to the peace table in 1968. But when they seen the protests going on in this country, that's when they made the decision, we cannot beat this military But we can beat the American people. If we We just keep this war going long enough, we'll win it. And they were right. And that war lasted for five more years because of the wokeness on the left. They extended the war. They didn't stop it. And the blood is on
1: their hands on the left. That's exactly right. And that's why I call it treasonous. quite frankly, because it gives aid and comfort and kind of, you know, support to the enemy that says, keep on going, keep on going. The Americans are about to crack. When the people turn on their own government and their own military, we've got them. And that's exactly what they kept the pressure on to do. TJ, thank you, my friend. And by the way, of course, I was a child. In the in, During the Vietnam War, I mean, I was born in 67, for crying out loud, so uh, I had to learn all of this through history. And if I can study the history, so can everybody else. And guess what? Sadly, sometimes history repeats itself. Uh, let's go to Derek in Richfield. Hi, Derek. You're on the air. Go right ahead, sir. Hey, good
3: morning, Bob. Um, so morning. I'm just responding to um, a previous caller uh, for TJ there. Um, you know, I did hear on um, America First with, you know, Dr. Sebastian Gorka a few times. He did mention um, that it, the name uh, Officer Michael Byrd was the shooter. And, you know, I'm, you know he he's the type, and I don't think he's going to say anything unless he's sure of it. So not arguing is just what I've heard. Do you, do
1: you know him. how long ago that was? I didn't hear that, uh, Derek. I listen to Dr. G as often as I can, but I may have missed that. Do you know how long ago that was?
3: Um And just in the past couple of weeks i 've heard him uh bring that up, and he was he was even uh, during he was kind of saying okay oh, we 're not allowed to say this name you know he was kind of you know uh, doing that kind of um you know uh, just that kind of thing with it um but no, he did mention that name, so just um
1: just the, reason, that the only reason i 'm asking and i 'm not arguing with you either i'm just i 'm um, trying to figure this out because um it was only like a week ago I thought and maybe i 'm a little off on my dates here that President Trump at one of his rallies was it the Arizona rally maybe. When when President Trump actually shouted into the microphone, "Who killed Ashley Babbitt?" Nobody knows who killed Ashley Babbitt, and I would think that he would have been informed if Dinesh has it and Doctor G has it. I don't know. I just kind of feel like you know uh, when he when he was asking that question publicly, basically pointing out the fact that it's there's a cover up in. In, you know, in play here. Um, that the investigation has been closed by the DOJ, we know that. Uh, that the identity of the officer, according to the DOJ, was not going to be released, uh, and no charges would be brought forth. That's a cover-up. And if Donald Trump, the former president, is saying, who killed Ashley Babbitt, as if he doesn't know, then I think um, I don't know. You would think he would have been informed, don't you think? I, I, I do.
3: Actually, I, well. I was kind of, also kind of not, not, not confused, just wondering, because yeah, you said you hadn't heard that name. And, and, no, I did. Like I said, that's the only other place besides websites you know, I heard you know on the radio it was, was, Dr. was from Dr. G.
1: Okay. I got you, brother. Oh. Thanks for the call, Derek. I appreciate I appreciate that. Yeah, I love Dr. G, and Dr. G's got connections. Connections I don't have. I would like to think Donald Trump has connections, too, though. <laughs> right? I would think that the 45th president would be able to find out if he wanted to. Uh, who shot Ashley Babbitt, and I haven't heard him acknowledge it. I have heard him essentially basically say, uh, you know, that uh, we don't know and we should know. And that is kind of the point. It's a cover-up. And again, if Dr. G has it and it's confirmed, why hasn't it been on Tucker Carlson? Why haven't people been demanding answers about Michael Bird, Michael Leroy Bird? Uh, I just don't know the answer to that. I just, I, like I said, I find it a very, a very interesting and very co- confusing that. Uh, some of the biggest names in news haven't talked about that since Ashley Babbitt. You know, the real part about this, and I'll take our break in a second, the real part about this that makes you kind of scratch your head is how the left continues to talk about how horrific that day was, saying seven people died. I've heard that number on CNN and MSNBC and other places. Seven people died during the Capitol insurrection. There was one person who died during the the Capitol breach. Not an insurrection. That one person was Ashley Babbitt. Another officer died the next day of natural causes after the lie was perpetuated that he was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. Two other officers took their own lives in suicide after the fact. So, once again, there were no other deaths on that day other than Ashley Babbitt's. The rest is left wing fake news. And Ashley Babbitt's death is one that deserves answers. We'll wrap it up right after this. Okay, 1056. I'm getting a couple of text messages and another message off the air from another caller saying that uh, Sebastian Gorka did announce it the day after President Trump asked who killed Ashley Babbitt. So, uh, again, so that's, you know, there's a lot of information. I love Dr. G. I have no reason to doubt Dr. G. I have no reason to doubt Dinesh D'Souza either. I just wonder why this hasn't been established and made, you know, a a focal point of, uh, you know, some of the networks that are more interested in the truth here rather than MSNBC. I can see why MSNBC wouldn't say it, why they wouldn't report the name. Uh, The fact that he was, I'm going to tell you point blank, by the way, this um, Lieutenant Michael Leroy Bird, Capitol Police officer, he's black. And I don't care. Some people are making a point out of that. He's black and he killed a white protester. I, I don't see cops as black and white. I don't. Cops are cops. And cops, you know, by and large, are good cops. All of them black and white. Some of them make mistakes. Some, uh, some of them make bad decisions. Some of them are bad people. But not because they're black or white. I would submit to you that the race that does matter here is that of Ashley Babbitt. If this black officer had shot and killed a black woman named Ashley Babbitt in the same exact circumstances, his black skin would not counteract the outrage because particularly the left would say, well, he's just an Uncle Tom cop anyway. He turned his, traded his black skin in for blue uh, uniforms. I don't think his race matters here. I think his actions matter here, and I think Ashley Babbitt's race matters here. The fact that she's white allowed the DOJ under Merrick Garland to cover this all up, to sweep this away, never to be heard from again. What? Somebody got shot in the throat coming through a window at the Capitol? Not somebody attacking, not somebody committing mayhem, not somebody resisting arrest, not somebody reaching for a gun, not somebody who was armed. This white girl being shot in those circumstances can be swept right under the rug. It doesn't matter. It's not a thing. It's not a story. The investigation has been conducted. No charges are being filed against the Capitol Police officer. Case closed. End of story. Go home now. If Ashley Babbitt was the one who had the black skin or the brown skin or the whatever ethnic minority in this supposedly you know systemically racist police environment that we have cops are racist. um look at this they shot an unarmed black girl coming through a window or a black woman 14 year veteran of the air force or not now we have a different story so if the shooter is lieutenant michael leroy bird i'm concerned about who he is and what he did not about how he looks i don't think his race matters one iota He's wearing the blue. That's what should be evaluated here. Did this cop make a mistake and do the wrong thing? And if he did, why is he not being held accountable for it like so many others? And the answer is the race of his victim doesn't fit the narrative. That's it. That's all the time we've got. Thanks for a great conversation today. We'll
4: see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.